Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, this is a solo episode. I am going to be talking about interviews and specifically interviews that are related to job interviews, uh, but also a lot of the things that I'm going to be saying, probably 90% of it could apply toward like the podcast interviews that you'll see me doing here on the show. Um, There's a lot of overlap in some of those tips and tricks. But before I get into that, I do want to invite you, if you are interested in being a guest on this show, I am taking guests. I have a website, uh, www.guessiworkfromhome.com. If you go to forward slash podcast forward slash guest. So again, home forward slash podcast forward slash guest. You can find a guest interest form. It's Google. It's a Google form. And it'll just ask you a few things about your work from home life, uh, what kinds of things you're doing and about how many hours a week you're working. Uh, pretty simple. And a lot of the questions are even optional. Uh, some people like to plug their own social media and give people a way to contact them. Other people, not so much. It just depends on the nature of your work and your personality and how much you want to be out there. I do interview people who are entrepreneurs, also employees, owners of small businesses, managers, everybody in between, uh, freelancers and independent contractors. I actually generally am able to find a fair number of people who are entrepreneurs who are working for themselves. It is a little bit more tricky sometimes to find those who are working for a corporation. Uh, I do like to get the full gamut. I have done it all. I've um, been an employee in the past and I've worked for myself in the past and started my own thing. You know, I've kind of done it all. And I think that what we really have is common ground is that we're all trying to get our work done in the same space that we're living in. And that's where we have a lot of common uh, things and can help one another, What, regardless if we're the manager or the employee. Um, I think it's all good. So, uh, yeah, come on in. Let me know when you're available and we can set it up. I do typically try to do about two interviews a week, give or take a little bit. I give myself a little flexibility there. So, all right. So to get into the interview thing, like I said, I am going to be talking quite a bit about job interviews, but just about everything I can say about it will, not every single thing, but a lot of it will overlap too. If you wanted to be a guest on a podcast and you've never done it before and you want some tips and tricks on how to have a successful interview, a lot of this can apply to that as well. So I do have a few notes. I actually recorded this episode maybe a month ago. Um, and there are a few things that I just left out. And I thought, you know, I think I'll go ahead and get those in. And uh, I had enough interviews lined up. I didn't need this extra buffer. So I will go ahead and um, pull up some of my notes from last time. So if you see my eyes doing the little back and forth thing, for those of you watching the video, uh, that's what's happening. I guess I kind of want to touch on something that's happening in my world and probably affecting quite a number of people that maybe even you know. Uh, I alluded to this as I was interviewing a guest a few weeks ago, but the ESL world that I've been part of for the past three and a half years, uh, tutoring students online in English, it's kind of in the stage of upheaval right now. And I guess it did kind of get me back into thinking I should probably still post that uh, interview thing because a lot of people I know are directly affected and are kind of feeling like they're losing their jobs. Um, or have recently lost their job um, very suddenly, and it's it's emotional. I'll be in, I'll be honest. Um, about three and a half years ago, when I started ESL, 
teaching ESL, I was working for Mayo Clinic, and there was a huge change in the way that Mayo Clinic was doing their medical records. I was helping work in their transcription department, and there was a huge change in technology. Uh, they basically adapted this new platform called Epic, which I'm sure most healthcare providers know now. Um, but back then, we had our own, you know, proprietary stuff that we were using, and then switched to this new platform. And with that, we, uh, those of us that were in medical transcription, the nature of our work changed so drastically they didn't need us. And within about a year, I don't know the exact number, but they reduced that department by a significant percentage. And I was one of the first people to go on a severance package. Um, I, I had already started this side, side gig of teaching ESL, and I had been telling people, I'm like, I love this so much. I could do, I wish I could do this full time. I, I wish I could quit my job with Mayo and, and just have fun singing songs and teaching kids. And when the opportunity came and I even got a little sufferance package for it, I was like, this is my, this is my, you know, sign from the Lord or whatever you want to say that this is time for me to go. And I will admit, I really, really, really liked that job. And I'm really, really, really sad to see some of the changes that are happening. And, um, I know I'm going to get into interview stuff. Don't worry. Um, but basically what's happened is mainland China has changed some of the regulations um, again, and they they have the authority to do that. Uh, and one of the things that they decided is that they don't want their students, the, the children of uh, mainland China, to be taking so many tutoring classes day and night, all day, every day, on their um, holidays, on their vacation time, on the weekends, in the evenings. And they had been going, some of them, you know, until 11 o'clock at night and all weekend and even I'd see these kids on their holidays or vacation and it's like summer vacation. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, I had 12 hours of lessons. <laughs> and so mainland China, for lots of different reasons, and I won't even get into any of that, um, is just deciding that they will, they will reduce their um, foreign teachers. So that would be me in the U.S. Um, from teaching their students and they're doing more of a nonprofit platform. Uh, for the students in mainland China to receive um, more free education to kind of even even everything out. So um, what has happened is several companies just in the first two weeks of August have closed their doors. Uh, companies that were employing tens of thousands of people. And uh, the two companies that I have been part of are still kind of hanging on by a thread. But we're expecting that to, we're not sure if it'll just be done in a week or if we might be able to eke out a few more months for the packages that students have already paid for. Um, but that's really up in the air. And so a lot of people are scrambling. And I've had, I don't know, my ear to the ground and been, you know, aware of some of these upcoming changes and looking at some transitions of my own. Um, so preparing again for the possibility of interviews. Um, it's kind of at the forefront of my mind. And going back through Indeed and thinking, you know, do I want to re-enter a corporate job or, you know, obviously I would prefer to work from home. So looking, you know, along those lines. So anyway, that's why this is all kind of fresh and interesting to me right now. Um, I'm also looking at, you know, I guess I interviewed a woman a few weeks ago and she was into resume writing, Krista Morris. And I actually ended up having her do my resume for me. And it was really exciting and kind of empowering to see what I look like on paper in someone else's words. <laughs> uh, and 
talking with her through that process and experiencing it from both ends, I guess I had just written my own resume and then she went through and revamped it for me. I was like, this is really interesting. Um, and she's like, you, you might have a future in resume writing. And so I have gotten a stack of books out about this big and working through that and looking at possibly being that that might be one of the things that I transitioned to. Uh, it's not official yet, but you might be the first to know. So look at that coming down the, the, <laughs> the pipe later. We'll see. All right. So interview tips and tricks. All right. So there's a lot of different interview styles and they're going to happen like that in person and online. And so some of the things that I'm going to be saying are going to apply to both. So if you go into an interview, it depends on the industry. You might have a very informal, relaxed, casual conversation that ended up just being an interview. Like, tell me about yourself. You know, very basic things. Um, you'll see that a lot with the entry-level jobs. Um, or, you know, it just depends on the nature of the kind of work you're in. Uh, that might be the most important thing to them is to make sure you have a good match as far as personality. Uh, then you're going to get the people that are looking for someone who can really demonstrate their technical skills. Uh, my husband is in a field where... He, one of his first interviews when he got his master's degree, he went in, it was in person. Um, and I guess I was going to get into this a little bit later, but there's the panel interviews where you'll interview with multiple people. His was a series of one-on-one -on -one interviews back to back to back. It was seven in a row, I think. And then he cycled back to the first person from HR again at the end. And so he met with seven different people for eight different like half hour meetings um, some of them might have even been an hour, but in some of those one-on-one -on -one meetings he had, he had to sit up on a whiteboard and demonstrate like his ability to solve problems, um, you know, remembering formulas and things like that from his studies, uh, really demonstrating his ability to do something like in front of someone when you're nervous. And I know that there are quite a few different industries that will have you do that. They'll have you solve a problem or complete a task while they're watching, or they'll give you a short amount of time to complete that. So that would be another set of things. Then you're going to have the um, panel interview, which I mentioned, which would be instead of having seven, in seven different people back to back, you get all seven of them at once. So um, that does happen on Zoom interviews as well. You might have, you know, open it up and there'll be six people looking at you and, um, most of them would be listening, and one person might be asking the questions, or they might rotate out and take turns. Um, and that will come up a little bit um, later when I'm talking more specifically about Zoom, but keep keep that in mind. Another thing that is happening with interviews online, especially job interviews, is being asked to just submit a video, a video submission where you're just like talking about yourself for 15 minutes, not having anyone prompt you or ask you questions. Maybe you have a few written questions and that's something that some people feel really awkward doing and other people feel like they can really nail it because maybe they could record it and submit their final favorite version uh, though some platforms might just have you record it and you just get one chance and whatever you happened happened and you just submit I don't know I haven't personally done that style but I've heard of them so um, and like the kind that my husband did he was meeting with multiple people across different departments um, and then kind of up the chain of leadership as well. So, yeah, there's the one-on-ones, probably the most common. Panels, also quite common. I think the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back thing is more intense, maybe for a higher level um, position or just depends on um, the nature of that company. It is somewhat possible to figure out what kind of interview you might have ahead of time just by asking 
I mean, I guess obviously, like if you're being invited to have an interview with, you know, someone from HR calls you, just ask, like, what's the style? <laughs> is it going to be one-on-one? How many people am I in a meeting with? How long will it last? And they should be able to answer those questions. And then just say, you know, should I come prepared with anything? Um, will I have a technical assessment or anything like that? They should be able to answer that question for you. If you don't know, um, you know, prepare for anything, I guess. But the easiest way for me to know what a company is probably going to do is to go to, I think it's Glassdoor, actually. Indeed, I know, is really great for job searching. And I know it's kind of like the, it's the one I go to first when I'm looking for a job. Glassdoor, almost equally so. But what I really like about Glassdoor is that they inter- they have interview questions online. Like they all the different interview questions that people, past employees or present employees, current employees, I guess, have submitted, get put in there. And uh, I recently was applying for a job, and I think the company had only been in business for about four years. And I think I found like 280 different questions that people had been asked in those four years. And so it did vary among the different departments. You could see trends, though, uh, a lot of the not it didn't even matter what department you would be and they all asked like you know why are you interested in working for this company and so you could start to see like probably out of these 280 different questions I'm most likely to experience these 15 um and that was a really nice way to to prepare I did not get offered an interview apparently the job I was applying for was very very popular and they had hundreds of applications they didn't even say how many but it's probably a lot uh, another thing that comes up sometimes, um, and it could be a one-on-one, but more often probably a panel, is the STAR method. And this is something I have personally experienced in my husband as well. Um, situation, tasks, actions, and response. Results. Results. So if you have um, a panel that's going to ask you these STAR technique or the STAR method questions, you kind of need to be prepared. Uh, it's not the sort of thing that just comes really naturally, but they want you to be able to describe all these different situations and how you uh, handled them, what you were responsible for, and like what the end result was, and how did that make you look good. <laughs> and the first time I had an interview like this, it kicked my butt. I won't lie. Um, I'll probably get into it again a little bit later, but um, just practicing with that really makes all the difference. So... I guess one of the things I do want to mention is that people tend to be nervous around interviews. I mean, I, I, I guess there's some people that just thrive on that sort of attention and really feel ready and confident. Uh, the rest of us, and I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm assuming the majority of people do feel some degree of nervousness, maybe just because the stakes are high. You know, they really, really, really want this job or they really need this employment because something just ended um or, you know, something out of the control happened and they're in the job market again. So uh, some people are nervous talking about themselves or being that center of attention. Um, or some people just feel really nervous because they are not accustomed to being online or being on video. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine because, you know, you and I have been working from home for so long, but... There are people that aren't on camera often or ever and still haven't ever used Zoom. I have met a lot of these people in the last year. And maybe in the last year and a half, more people have used some of these platforms, FaceTime and video messaging on even your Facebook or whatever. 
you know, than ever before. But there is still a big chunk of the population that has never needed to use these tools. And if they're considering working from home for the first time, might need a little extra support and love and TLC to get through that because it is a learning curve. I mean, we all remember, and maybe not everybody because I'm older than maybe a lot of you, but um, at some point, you know, we all had to learn how to use these tools and how to get comfortable with them. And it took a little while and maybe we forget. So um, I know that I've been nervous, you know, as an interviewee. Uh, but also the first time that someone interviews another person as the professional, as the manager or the hiring manager or, um, you know, as a podcast interview, uh, there's a first time for everything. And I know when I interviewed, um, I guess in several of those different settings, I've, you know, kind of had to overcome my own level of nervousness. I remember my very first interview. Actually, it's kind of funny. You know, we all had... Maybe we didn't all, but I had a job when I was 16 and another when I was 18 and 20, whatever. But after I got out of college and I got my first real job, I didn't actually want that job that I was um, interviewing for. I just kind of did the interview because I was put up to it by my parents and aunt who told me that there was a job opportunity I should pursue with Mayo Clinic. And I knew I was overqualified and it, it wasn't anything that I wanted to stick with for any amount of time. And they wanted me to commit to a year and I didn't want to commit for a year, but I just did it to appease them. And I ended up keeping that job for 17 years. It's one of those stories. Uh, but I think the reason I wasn't nervous is because I knew, you know, it was, it would have been an easy job for me to get. Um, but then later, a couple of years later, when I was going to look for a different position within the same company, uh, that's where I had my first high stakes interview, I guess, if you will. Um, and that was actually my interview to, um, start working from home. Um, and so I think maybe I was more nervous because it meant I could move out of state. It meant I could get away from the Minnesota winters. And so I do remember that feeling of nervousness, just like washing over me and wiping my mind empty. Like I couldn't even find my words and I was so prepared and, um, yeah, it happens to the best of us. And I think just with a little bit of practice, you know, all of those things become a little bit easier. Uh, speaking of practice, so when I did that first interview for the work from home job, I really bombed it. Um, I remember my mind just going blank and, um, I had never experienced the star technique questions. And so I couldn't always remember where I was at. And they'd ask me, um, about a situation and I thought of a good example. And then the very next question sounded so similar and I wanted to use the same example that I had just used. And I just remember falling apart and being like, I don't even know. <laughs> and so two weeks later, I applied for a similar position and even had some of the same people, I think, in the interview. Um, but by that time, I had practiced and I was prepared and I had situations and actions and what is it? Tasks and situation, task, actions and results. Um, I had it all figured out and I had multiple examples that could go with multiple different scenarios and so when I ran out, I had another one backed up and I came with papers <laughs> that I could refer to just in case I got a little bit too nervous. But what really happened between um, my first train wreck interview and the one where I landed the job was I practiced with friends. Um, I actually had a friend who was very methodical and she's like, we're going to help you get this. And she sat me down and she and another friend drilled me with questions and they pretended to be all formal and everything. And then one of the friends had someone that she knew who was, I think, a, a hiring manager 
in another department, and he was willing to take his lunch break and sit with me and uh, do another practice interview so that I could experience it with a stranger. And that was helpful. It really did. So by the time I came around to the next official interview, the second one, I was ready. So, and I know the same thing happened for my husband. Um, by the time he got the job that he has now, he was just so practiced and speaking, you know, that he just came across as casual and not casual in a bad way, but just like comfortable with everything and that um, just had an answer for everything. And it really went well. But that, you know, takes practice. And it also takes a few failures sometimes. You know, you don't get every single job that you apply for. And I guess every interview that you have is, is practice for the next one. And same thing with um, podcast interviews. If you have never been a guest on the show before, you're welcome to be a guest on mine, and it gets easier. I had a guy, um, Justin Hibbs, I believe. I can't remember what episode it was, but I met him on Focusmate, and I was his first interview on on the podcast. And then I think within a week, he decided that he was going to make, you know, that his goal is to be on as many podcasts as he could as a new way of marketing himself. And I think he got on several more since then. So it's kind of exciting, you know, it's like it opens the door and you're like, oh, I've got the skill. And this kind of interview, the, the podcast interview is more casual. It's more conversational. And I always tell people, you know, we are going to be able to edit this out. If you've ever watched the video, you've may, maybe noticed that every once in a while, there must have been something that got snipped out. And that could just be someone really misspeaking and wanted to start over. Usually me. <laughs> um, but it can also just be, um, you know, interruption or something like that. So it's not... It's not as high stakes as um, a job interview where you feel like every move is being, you know, criticized or something, criticized or just um, watched carefully. As far as in interview practice, um, if you don't have a friend that you can practice with, you could do uh, with the technology that we have nowadays. You can open up your own Zoom. So with Zoom, you can get a free account. And if you have four or more people in the meeting, you can have just 40 minutes for free. And then after that, they'll cut you off and you'd have to start a new meeting. You can record locally to your computer with a free Zoom account. You can't record to the cloud unless you pay. Um, but if you have space in your computer that you can um, make a recording that's even 40 minutes long, go for it. If you have less than four people, if it's just one, two, or three, it's like you can do this yourself with another friend or two friends. You can go, I think, up to 24 hours. I think they maybe have changed that more recently, but... You can record yourself, uh, you can conduct your own interview, ask yourself questions, and then watch yourself later as a practice to see, you know, how, how did you answer that and how did it sound and how awkward were you? <laughs> uh, I have to watch my recordings often and, oh, I know that I, I make mistakes all the time and after a little while I've gotten more comfortable with that because the way that we speak in conversation is different than how we speak in written and I've learned <laughs> in written language and I've learned to just be comfortable with the fact that I still do let a lot of ums and ums and, you know, the little awkward things that we, the filler words that we put in. I haven't really practiced very much on eliminating those yet. Uh, I don't think that they matter as much in an interview as they would like if you're writing a paper. So practicing with a friend, um, having someone who's a stranger does help. Um, and you can even tell them, here's some questions that I know they'll probably ask me that I want to practice, but go ahead and throw a few of your own in as well. And you can choose what kind of personality you want to be. If you're going to be friendly or kind of abrupt or, you know, gruff, um, just to kind of give you the chance to practice in more than one way, if you get a chance to do more than one. 
All right. So when it comes to actually doing an online interview, and I'm talking job interviews here, but obviously um, for the podcast, it also applies. If you're going to do an interview, is it going to be on video or not? And this actually does come up with my with my podcast because I do record it on video and not everybody realizes that at first. And I have had just one guest, I think, who wanted to just have his camera off so that he could, um, I think he was walking around actually. Uh, and I just put up his his headshot during that time. On Zoom, I know a lot of people do have uh, an image uploaded, but not everybody does. And if you don't, you just have like, I think a silhouette of a human head. I don't know. Um, but I think in my, the kinds of jobs that I would be applying for or that I have applied for in the past, they've always been online on video. And my husband applied for tons and tons of jobs and he only had phone interviews or on in person, but that was not during the pandemic. So I think nowadays there are even more remote opportunities than there were a few years ago. Uh, if you are going to have an online interview, you need to ask I would ask the hiring manager, whoever is calling you, or the HR person who's offering you the interview, how is it going to be conducted? Is it going to be on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or Skype or for the phone? Just find out because hopefully you'll have a day or two or five before the interview is going to happen that you can prepare. So you're going to have to go learn <laughs> how to use um, Microsoft Teams if you've never been on it, uh, Zoom if you've never been on it. Um, and you also want to know how it's going to work if you're going to, um, if you've only ever used Zoom on your phone, you're going to want to learn how to use it on your computer. Uh, I do recommend using a computer for your interview, if at all possible, because, first of all, especially if there's going to be more than one person conducting the interview, you're going to want to be able to see everybody. If you are on a phone, usually if you hold it up vertically or even horizontally, I think you can only see four people at a time. And one of those people is yourself. Uh, if there's going to be five people interviewing you, you're going to want to be able to know where that question is coming from and be able to see everyone's names and kind of how they're reacting to different things. I think it's helpful to be able to see that. I know some people give this tip like, oh, just, um, I don't know, cover it all up so you can't see, so you don't feel nervous. But I think it's really important to have that eye contact. And sometimes there's people that are going to be trying to um, to show you something, maybe, you know, share slides. Some people say, uh, put a sticky note under your camera so you can make eye contact with the camera. And I'm like, you're going to be covering up someone's head if you're doing that. So it does, it is good to learn how to make eye contact with the camera. Um, but at some point you do need to look around and see what's happening, especially if you're getting to know these people for the first time. If you are using Zoom, which is one that I'm, I guess I'm just familiar with because that's what I've always used the most of. But um, just remember that, um, you can change the mode that you look at, even if they are using, um, if they're presenting, you can't see as many people, but you can still usually control the view to some degree um, up in the, uh, if you're on a computer up in the right-hand corner, you can usually change it from the gallery view where you see everybody at once to the speak active speaker view where it kind of flashes back and forth. But whoever's coughing or, you know, has an echo or the dog is barking in the back might end up, you know, coming on to the forefront where I think that the gallery view is generally the preferred view where you can see everybody, even though they'll be smaller. Um, and then make sure that whatever you're using is installed on your computer. <laughs> if you've never used Microsoft Teams before, find out, do I need to install it? Um, I've actually only used Microsoft Teams a few times, and I think I did have to at least 
enable the camera and enable the microphone beforehand so that you don't have that awkward, like, I can't hear you, I can't see you thing at the beginning. Um, but Zoom definitely it can be used as a web browser, but it has limited functionality if you do it that way. So if you've only ever used it on your phone, make sure you install it, make sure it's up to date, and make sure you test it out. I recommend practicing using whatever platform you're going to be on with another human that you know um, so that you can try it as a user. Um, maybe you've been accustomed to driving it and being like the host of the meetings and you're not as familiar with being on the other receiving end where some of the controls might be different. It's good to figure that out. Um, I like to kind of think about interviews online in, in a similar to the way that we would do it in person. In the past, if you were going to get a big job on the other side of the country, they would fly you out. And you would usually have to spend the night in a hotel, like the night before, and, you know, get ready and get yourself there. And um, sometimes that transportation would be paid for. And sometimes, you know, if, um, if it was local, you would have to get yourself there. But I like to think about getting yourself ready for an interview online almost needs the same amount of effort. And I think that people forget that sometimes, like, if you were going to be interviewing on the other side of the country, it might take you two days to prepare, you know, to pack and to get yourself there and to practice. And I think that sometimes people feel like they can blow off uh, an online interview, like not show up. Um, it's not as important, but, you know, that interview is still blocking real time on other people's calendars. And it also takes, I think, the same level of, um, I don't know, just a, it's the same level of importance as it would be if you were going to be um, interviewing in person. You know, they might be paying you the same kind of package. And so I guess I'm just trying to say that what is going to take some preparation. And I think that a lot of people think that they can just do a phone interview or what I mean is an online interview on their phone with their local Wi-Fi. And I think it's going to take a little bit more preparation than that. And there's a few reasons that it's good to do that. And this, I am talking about job interviews here. Interviewing with Wi-Fi, you can get yourself closer to the router or try to get yourself as close as you can to the router if you do have to rely on the Wi-Fi. But I just would recommend it's not the best deal. So think of that Ethernet cable as being your reliable transportation um, for lots of reasons. It's got, you know, more security. And I know that might not be as important in your interview, um, but it's just more reliable, I think is the best way to put it. And it just makes it so that you're not having that like four second lag or that even like that half second lag can make an interview just a little bit more awkward um, where people start talking over each other and um, asking a question and oops, they were still answering and um and that does happen sometimes in the podcast interviews. It has happened um, actually quite a lot when I was interviewing people for uh, one of the ESL jobs. Because you might have done a pain test once upon a time that was really high number and it was like maxing out in like whatever you're paying for. But if you're ever doing an interview during prime time or when a whole bunch of other people are using the internet or someone else in your home is streaming, um, it might not be so great. When I was teaching at 2 o'clock in the morning, I usually had great internet unless there was an outage, and they always had outages when I was teaching at 2 o'clock in the morning. But for the most part, you know, there wasn't a lot of traffic happening. 
Um, and of course, it depends on you know, like what style of internet you're using. Are you connected to fiber versus DSL versus cable versus satellite? Um, you know, there's so many different ways that, that people get um, internet these days, but just keep that in mind that whatever you do, try to be connected. Oh, and I thought of a story. Um, I saw this lady in one of the one of the working mom groups that I've been part of for a few years. Um, this lady was like, I think I want to, I want to interview. I have an important interview. It's like for my dream job. Um, but she was going to be coming back from vacation and they were going to be traveling to like half the country or something like that. She's like, I wonder if I could just do it in my car with my hotspot. I was like, wow, can you adjust your travel plans? Like, do you have to leave, um, your in-laws or wherever you're staying in the morning? Could you stay until the afternoon to complete your interview, at least with their Wi-Fi? Um, or their in internet, um, or could you, you know, travel, like leave six hours earlier and then travel and like stop at hotel and like use, you know, a business connection or something like that at, you know, at hotel. Cause I'm like, I just don't know that wherever you're landing, you know, how are you going to know if you're going to have a good internet, um, signal hotspot or not, you know, like, you know, you can steal Wi-Fi from Starbucks or something like that, but, um, I just can't imagine that that would be reliable and she was like it was going to be on microsoft teams and she's never used it on her phone before i don't know what happened to that lady or her interview i actually wish i could find out and <laughs> be good um but yeah i would not recommend doing an important you know dream job interview using a hotspot in your phone in the car like that doesn't even look professional like i have seen people have to who have taught ESL from their car, like put up a sheet or just didn't care, um, you know, some sort of like tag board or background behind them, um, just to get by for like a one-time thing. Like, but if it was a dream job, I would try a little harder, <laughs> frankly, um, to, to make something happen that would, you know, have less chance to fail. <laughs> so, I'm like, even if you have to pay the hotel $20 just to use their business center, um, then hope to God that there's nobody in the business center when you're trying to do an interview. Just, you know, what, what, you know, consider options, even if it means paying for a hotel room and kick the husband and the kids out to the pool for a few hours just to get it done. Um, so yeah, I've, I have interviewed people before that were in a hotel room and that was fine. Um, I mean, they told me they were in a hotel room and I didn't really care, but at least I knew they were trying. <laughs> well, and like with phone signal too, like I actually just switched. I have had Sprint for, I don't know, like 17 years or something ridiculous and they're being bought out by T-Mobile. So we go into the Sprint store, which is now T-Mobile the other day. And I said, uh, you know, we want to use my husband's employee badge to be able to get like a $20 discount on, on our, um, service. And they said, Oh, well actually, you know, we don't have that program anymore because we're T-Mobile now, but because we're T-Mobile now, uh, we can switch out your SIM card and get you much, 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 much better quality signal than you had ever in the past with Sprint, which was the biggest lie because as soon as they switched out my SIM card and they actually gave us like a free line and like a few other perks, so now I feel kind of bad about going back. But as soon as they switched out that SIM card, our signal tanked. And we thought that we would have even better signal than we did. And it went from three to four bars down to one or two bars. And sometimes we don't even have any signal. I was on an important call this morning and they kept dropping. And it was very embarrassing. And I kind of want to go back to the store and be like, 
what's the deal, <laughs> you know? So I would say that phone can get you by in a pinch, um, but I would use it as a last resort and not your first plan. So if you're thinking about what you're going to wear uh, for your interview, here's a few points. I guess if you're going to be online, obviously, you know, usually we're heads and shoulders around here, uh, but you still have to wear pants. I just have to feel like I, <laughs> I always feel like I have to say that um, no matter what, even if you are going to only be showing heads and shoulders, you still have to wear pants. I heard a story the other day about a woman who was going to be doing an interview and she was dressed professionally on the top. And thank God she was wearing something on the bottom because she had to stand up and go close the door behind her. And everybody saw her fancy pajama pants uh, that did, probably did not match her um, her top, which is actually exactly how I'm rolling right now. I've got polka dots on today. But honestly, like, I have heard too many horror stories, like literally horror stories. Like, people probably getting fired kinds of horror stories where you accidentally stand up and everybody sees... Um, you know, there have been people that have had a mouse run over their foot or a spider crawling up their leg. Sorry about that. Um, didn't mean to <laughs> give you that visual. Um, and jump up, you know, unexpectedly. And you just have to be wearing something uh, on your bottom. And uh, it's just my pro tip here. So, yeah, as far as like an interview, just kind of like anything else, you know, you, you usually want to dress nicely uh, for the occasion. Uh, I do know someone who wore a formal dress to a job to uh, apply for a, a child care position, and that was maybe a little over the top. Um, but if you think of what, you know, you would normally wear in that role that you're applying for, dress at least one step up from that. So, I mean, as a as a general, I know my husband applied for a job, and he walks in in his three-piece suit, and the guy who's interviewing him is in, like, jean shorts and a t-shirt, but... Um, for interview, I think it's appropriate to at least try, you know, um, business casual probably will get you by for 99% of them. If you're a doctor, dress like a doctor, you know, dress the part, but definitely, um, dress, dress well and wear pants. That's my tip. Um, lipstick I know is not for everyone. And I will say though, if you're on camera, sometimes it can be a little washed out. And if you do want people to be able to hear you well, it sometimes helps if they can see your lips moving clearly. And this is like an ESL tip. They always taught us that um, if you are inclined to wear bright, bright lipstick, go ahead. You know, like that's that's good because it, they can see your lips better. And I think that would apply a lot of places you don't want to wear anything too garish. But, um, you know, be you. Another thing to be thinking about is your lighting. Now, this is one of the things that you can control in You can't control the questions, but you can control your lighting. Where you sit does kind of matter. And I guess this goes hand in hand with backdrop as well, background. Um, the light that you have on your face is going to make it easier or harder for people to see you. And I'm sure you've all seen the the silhouette where the person has a window or a light directly behind them shining over their head and towards the camera. And it can um, just make the whole face dark. Uh, I've also seen it where people put like a blinding ring light <laughs> right around the camera or sitting directly in front of a window and it's just like shining, you know, bright sunlight right on them. And I don't know about you. I get headaches if I'm looking directly into the light. So I have to be a little careful. I usually do a little bit more bouncing light. So here, and I know that if it's just one time in your, in your job, isn't going to be very um, often on camera. It might not be as important for you to spend a lot of time on this, but for me, because I am camera facing all of the time, I am trying to be a little bit more intentional about it. I don't have one of my ring lights up right now, but I have like, um, 
I have like those IKEA has these floor lamps that have like a um like a bendable arm for a reading lamp. So I have like from IKEA one of these lamps. It's a floor lamp that has a bendable arm for a reading lamp. And I can use that to kind of fill up the whole room as well as bounce something off of the wall in front of me. And that kind of fills my face a little bit more. The light from your computer can also help light up your face if you have it on bright. Um, but that also can cause a lot of reflection in your glasses. So I often times lower the reflection from my computer screen. And I don't want it to be so bright that I'm putting all that blue light into my eyes anyway. Um, so yeah, if you can have the window to your side or more than one light, you know, coming from more than one angle, it usually will fill out your face and at least let people see you. And with the discussion about your camera, also be thinking about, um, where it's positioned as far as like where your eyes are going to be looking. Like we were saying earlier, if you're in a zoom and you've got all these people, you might be kind of, your eyes will be darting around a little bit, kind of seeing who's talking and everything. But if you really want to make a good impression, I, I know people know it's zoom, but if you can look into the camera and make them feel like you're looking them in the eye, I think that's a good thing to learn how to do. It's, it's not always intuitive. Um, like, I know for me right now, I'm trying to read a few notes and so I'm kind of bouncing around, but for the most part, you want to try to make contact. Um, and it's actually a little bit less distracting than looking at your own face talking. So especially if there's a leg and that can be a little bit off-putting. So, um, as far as your computer, getting that ready for the interview, here's a few tips. I have a little system that I like to do in a, um, well, first of all, when I am on Zoom, I do try to minimize the um, window a little bit. Like, rather than it filling up the whole screen, I try to make it a little bit smaller so that all of the faces are closer to the camera so that I can kind of see everybody in my peripheral or look without having to look way far away. If you're on multiple monitors, I've seen people that are, like, always looking to the left because they're looking at you, but the camera's coming from the other angle. So that can be a little strange. So try to have the camera pointing at you from where you're looking. Whatever whatever I was trying to say there. You, you got it. Um, yeah, that second monitor can really um, make it a little bit strange, like as though you're like looking at someone's, um, looking at the door the whole time you're talking. And the same thing with sound. You know, you can control your, your lighting, you can control where your camera is, and you can control your sound. So I'm trying to give you a little bit of control during your interview. Um, when you are doing an interview, either for a podcast or uh, a job interview, how you sound is important. They want to be able to hear you clearly. And one of the best things that you can do, <laughs> one of the best things you can do is to have some sort of earphones, air, AirPods, earbuds, headset, something that covers or goes over your ears or in your ears so that the sound that's coming from the computer is going straight into your ears, not bouncing around the room and back into the microphone. So let me put it this way. If I'm talking to you and you have your volume turned up really loud, my voice is going to come through your computer and possibly bounce back into your microphone. And then I will hear my voice echoing back at me and you won't even know. Uh, so one of the best ways to have a quality interview is to protect that from happening by wearing earphones. Um, oftentimes, whatever headset or earbuds you have will have a pretty high quality microphone on them. The old air, 
earbuds that you would get from iPhone. Actually had a pretty dang good microphone and um, the sound quality was pretty good too. Doesn't really matter quite as much what the sound quality is like in your ear, just as so much as that you're not letting it bounce around. If you cannot wear earbuds, AirPods, headset, something like that, just make sure you have your volume turned down. You can't always control what other people are doing, especially when you're interviewing. You don't know what they're going to do, but you can at least control it from your side. And it might not look as great. Like, I know that not everyone likes the look of a headset. I have um, interviewed quite a few people that you can tell they spent some time on their hair. And, like, covering that up with a headset isn't going to be very, I don't know, look look great. <laughs> it doesn't look great. But um, definitely... Just one thing to keep in mind is the new AirPods that have come out, and I have a pair, and I use them when I'm interviewing. They don't have a great microphone. So if you are going to be using your AirPods in your ears as the speaker, try to make sure that your settings are going to use a different microphone. Um, possibly, I don't know if your computer microphone would be better than the AirPods, actually, but that's kind of a wash. Um, but if you have a headset that has um, a decent microphone, Especially noise canceling, like that's always a good one. If you're going to have to go buy a headset um, for this sort of thing, get one that's noise canceling on the microphone so that they won't hear like the cars driving around or the dogs barking. Uh, that, that will help the quality of your interview. So another thing that I do to try to like really have a good quality experience when I'm interviewing or being the interviewer is to reset my computer every time. And this is what, another way to just really help prevent lag. And I know that maybe some of my ideas are a little archaic. Um, routers sometimes can really handle, um, really benefit from a good reset. I have one right behind me, so I'm going to point that way. Um, I can do it from the app on my phone. I can call the company, ask them to reset it. That usually helps clear things up. I have even done it where I just unplug it for four minutes and then plug it back in and do what they call a hard reset. And it usually takes a few minutes to come back online. Um, but if I've ever been struggling with, um, leg or, you know, just, I know that the internet has been used a lot in lots of different ways. There've been a lot of people on different devices and just kind of want to clean things up a little bit. It's one good thing to do. It's kind of like clearing the cache on your computer, which is the other thing I do. I clear the cache and I, um, you know, clear the history or whatever, just to kind of free up a little space. And then I restart the whole computer and, um, it's like the old IT crowd uh, show, you know, did you start, did you restart your computer? And it really does make a difference. So that's just kind of my little, I don't know if it's like a wife's tale or something like that, but it's just a little ritual that I have that I do just about every single time that I'm going to interview, or even if I'm going to be teaching online. If I know that I'm going to be in a video meeting, I know that consistently I have a better experience if I take those precautions or do those steps. And if I forget, I can almost always feel it. And like I was saying earlier, people usually think that they have amazing internet and I can usually tell when people haven't done some of these steps. And if we do take a minute, go back and restart the computer, it almost always solves those problems. So it's worth it. There was a lady uh, with VIP Kid a few years ago, and I don't know if she's still around um, at all. I haven't seen her in a few years, but she had a video out and you can still Google it. You can find it. It was called Internet Stability Hell. Um, and I think her name was VIP Kid Kelly, something like that. Teacher Kelly. And she basically talked about some of these same things that I just mentioned about restarting and things like that. Um, 
also closing a lot of tabs and getting rid of those extra programs, um, closing the extra programs that you might have open in your computer. I don't know about you, but if I've been getting, you know, some research done or surfing the internet and doing whatever, I might have two different browsers with 40 different tabs open and closing those extra tabs really does make a difference. I don't know why, but it does. And <laughs> I'm not one to explain these things. I just do them. Um, but yeah, if I have, you know, 16 tabs open, my experience isn't going to be as good as if I only had two tabs open. So generally, if I am being interviewed or conducting an interview, I try to only have the tabs open that I need to conduct to the interview. Like for me right now, I have the browser where I'm uh, recording and the other browser that I had is the notes that I'm using. And that's it. Um, I guess my calendar must have opened up in the background, but I usually try to close my email and um, my calendar and the other things that might have popped open um, just throughout the course of the day. Um, the only time that I usually try to keep the email open is if I'm not connected and are having any problems. I want to make sure that whoever I'm trying to interview or be interviewed by can still communicate with me. Same thing with the phone. Um, I'm all about silencing it, turning off notifications on my phone and on my computer so that I don't have things dinging and popping up and, and beeping at me. But I don't put my phone in airplane mode until after um, I know that things are working. <laughs> or if I did put it in air, airplane mode, I don't want to miss a call. So it would be more important to put it on vibrate. And then once we know things are working, uh, maybe put it on airplane mode at that point so that it doesn't, like, you know, vibrate. I, I guess... The dinging alarms will still come through, and so it could be a good idea to turn it all the way off. I've had an alarm go off before that I couldn't figure out how to turn it off when I was, like, flustered by trying to talk at the same time. <laughs> and I guess getting back to, like, the aesthetics of what you're doing, like, we're talking about the microphone and the and the headset and the, um, and the lighting, where you're sitting also is important. And I, I know I've talked about this multiple different times in the past, but... I'm always a fan of having your back up against a wall, if you can help it, um, or at least in a position where someone else can't come behind you if you share a household. If you are in a household with any other person or animal, I recommend always being able to control what people can see behind you so that you don't have like a half-dressed family member walking by. I have seen it happen <laughs> um, more than once. Not generally while I've interviewed someone, but um, I have seen I have seen it happen. So um, usually it's someone who's completely unaware of what's happening, and um, you're like, "Wow, I was just in an interview with my boss's boss, <laughs> and <laughs> we all saw you." You know, so just be careful that you control where you're at. And I know um, I I have my door to my side, I have a my a wall to my back, and if someone does open this door, I have like. I can put my arm out to prevent them from walking in, to remind them that I'm in a meeting, um, you know, in a loving and gentle way. But, uh, yeah, I have um, – and it's not always a big deal if someone walks in. I mean, like, that is part of life. Um, I guess it is depending on, you know, what your lifestyle is like and what kind of level interview. But if it's a job interview, I would say that it would be more important to control that environment as much as you can. Even if that means asking a loved one to take your children um, out of the house during the time. When my husband was interviewing, he, like I said, he only did phone interviews, but it was still really important to us that we, he had a quiet environment. And I had three babies at the time. So my youngest was a newborn. Um, and then my older two were, I think, like 
three and a half and four, something like that. Um, three and a half and five, maybe, because they're a year and a half apart. Uh, so three kids who didn't understand the meaning of be quiet <laughs> when they got upset. So I removed them from the home. We'd go for a drive. We'd go get, you know, drive through. We'd go to a movie. I actually, uh, several times when my husband interviewed, at least two or three times, I brought all the kids to a movie. It was like the dollar seats <laughs> and just sat there trying to wrangle three kids in the back of the movie theater. Um, and then the, then there was a the time that my kids got the barfing flu. So it was um, rotavirus, is that what you call it? Where basically you kind of keep getting sick. It comes back and, and they were the kids kept infecting each other back and forth, back and forth. And so it would be like vomit and all of the things that go along with that in children that don't know how to uh, control it very well. So my husband would be interviewing and I would be, you know, quietly trying to help escort a child to the bathroom to take care of that and clean it up and get it out. Um, so we've done it all, but you know, that was just one time, the other five or 10 times that he was interviewing, we were, we were able to leave the house. And I do recommend if you can, if you can control that, if you have a dog and you have an interview, pay a neighborhood to take it for a walk for that hour, you know, or pay a babysitter to take your kids to the park. If you don't have another adult that can take them during that time. So it's worth considering if it really is a high stakes interview. Now, if you're doing 20 a week, you know, I understand that you can't, you know, remove the children from your house every single time or pay babysitter every single time, um, you know, if that's what your lifestyle is. But it is worth to, to um, you know, take seriously. What would you, would you bring your kids with you to an interview in person? Probably not. So try not to bring them to you, um, with you to your online interview. Um, and then as far as like your backdrop again, I have seen a lot of beds, and it's not a big deal. Um, I don't care if I see a bed, but if it's a job interview, if it's a job interview, I don't know if you want it to take it in your in your bedroom. And if you are in your bedroom, could you sit on the bed and have the wall behind you? Could you bring in a, I don't know, a folding table or your ironing board or something that you could set up and just kind of angle things a little away so that they're not distracted by the fact that you're in a bathroom or a bedroom or something like that. Heck, I have, I've known people that have interviewed in bathrooms and that's cool and more power to them. I'm in a closet. I don't care, but you can set up a sheet sometimes, or some people have gotten a backdrop. I don't really recommend using those fancy, um, backdrops that you can use in zoom and things like that with the digital effects and like the stars and like the cityscape or the fancy house. I don't really recommend using that for an interview. If anything, you could blur out the background a little bit. Um, I feel that they're just kind of distracting or might take up more bandwidth than you really need to for your computer. You really want to have a good conversation and you don't want everyone to like look at your backdrop and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, but they might be using it. Who knows? The culture of the company, I have no idea. So the day of the interview, check your time zones. If you are traveling across the country, you're usually aware of when you are passing from Eastern time zone into Pacific and, you know, all these different things. But if you are doing an interview on another, in another country or, you know, on the other side of the country, make sure you know what time zone they're in and what that means for that time of the year. Because, you know, Eastern time zone is three hours different from Pacific. Sometimes of the, how does that work? Three and sometimes two. Um, I live in Arizona. We don't observe uh, daylight saving time, date savings time. You know, I teach grammar and I never can get this one right. Um, 
we don't observe it, so it still means that we have to be aware of it because it means that our time zone changes relative to what everyone else is doing. So if you live in mountain time and you're talking with someone in the East Coast, your time is always going to be consistent with theirs, where ours changes by an hour, you know, eight months out of the year, and then the other four months we have to know, you know, where we're at in the year. So Arizona time is the same as mountain time for, I think, four months, and the same as Pacific time for, like, eight months. I think I got that right. So we're currently the same as Pacific time because it's August, um, but come November 7th or whatever it is, it's going to switch to, um, will be the same as mountain time again. So pay attention to where you're at. You might need to use a calculator, um, like online calculator, to determine what time that you are going to be in each city so that you don't show up an hour late to your interview or come an hour early. <laughs> um, pay attention to that. Um, and another thing is when you're talking to whoever's offering you the interview, the HR manager or um, something like that, go ahead and just double check and ask, you know, is there a phone number that I can call in case there's any technical issues or something happens? Um, you know, usually if, um, and then you would provide your phone number, of course they would have your number, but just in case someone's running late or obviously you don't want to be the person that's running late, but if you're having a hard time connecting to that meeting, you want to know ahead of time, like you, you're going to want to be able to call and still be able to be there on time. So just make sure that you have like a backup plan of you know, like who could I call? Um, who would I ask for if there's any technical problems the day of the interview? And, you know, once you get logged in, I would say make sure you do that mic check. Make sure you have enabled your microphone, enabled your camera, um, if it's going to be on camera, so that there's no glitches when it comes to that time. You can enter 10 minutes early, but don't expect them to come 10 minutes early. You know, I know when I conduct an interview, a podcast interview, I open my Zoom on time. I am usually, you know, going back to back or running errands and coming home just in time. Um... I know some people like to check their sightings and they can usually do that in a waiting room or they could do that by testing things out. But, but when the interview starts, and I mentioned this earlier when I was talking a little bit about nervousness, don't be surprised if you start to feel like you're having an out-of-body experience or the room starts to swirl in your you know, brain. Um, I start to feel like all of the words that I've always known have left my body. Um, you know, that feeling is normal. And I'm assuming that most people are a little bit familiar with that themselves and understand that that happens to some people. Um, you know, try to ground yourself a little bit if you need to. Um, if I ever feel like I'm going to sneeze, I push the, um, I press my tongue to the roof of my mouth. If I start to feel like I have a, a need to fidget, I try to do it off screen. So like if I have my hands doing some sort of like nervous motion, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, trolling your thumbs or something like that, or wringing your fingers, Make sure you do it low enough that it's not going to be moving your whole body. Uh, I have interviewed a few people for you know in different capacities um, that might have a little something happening where they're clicking or tapping or swinging their cord around a little bit. It's all happened. So just try to you know bring those things down so that it's at least quiet and out of sight. If you're in a swirl chair, swivel chair. Try not to uh, swing around and around and around. Um, <laughs> I know it's tempting those of us that have a little bit of a need to, to move. Uh, be careful. Oh, and another thing to keep in mind while you are in the middle of an interview is 
you you really do want to keep your focus in the meeting and looking at the camera. I have experience and I've seen this happen before where people are like cruising all through their computer. You can see that they're switching tabs. Um, some of my ASL students would do this. They think that they were they thought that I thought that they were paying attention, but I could tell that they weren't. You can see the lights flashing when people are switching from a dark tab to a bright tab. And I would recommend that you not do that. You probably don't need to be finding a whole lot of supporting documents or anything like that in the middle of an interview. Um, I recommend printing them out if you can. Have a copy of your resume, a copy of the cover letter that you sent to them that you can refer to. And maybe that cheat sheet that you made for yourself to remind you of some of the key stories that you might bring up um, if they're doing like the situation uh, type questions. Um, but they don't have to be long documents. You don't want to do paragraph form answers. You need keywords. You know your stories. If it's, you know, if you're, if you're expecting that they're going to ask you a question about perseverance or, you know, ability to complete a task or, you know, in the face of adversity or some adverse, I can't say it. I don't know. In the face of a difficult situation, just put two words per thing to remind you of the story or the situation. Like, um, you know, the Franklin project or, um, and just put the name of someone or something or somewhere to just trigger that in your mind. And then you can go ahead and tell the story more naturally without having to like read word for word, you know, like a teleprompter. You're not, and that's not going to come across naturally. Um, and you just need, usually you would just need a few words. So that's basically it. I feel that I covered some of the technical things. Uh, camera lighting, backdrop, uh, being prepared with a few questions, looking them in the eye, taking it seriously. Um, again, don't brush off an online interview as less important than uh, an in-person one. It really can actually be a time saver and a money saver for a company to do these. And uh, they, they might hire you into a real position, a really good position, based off of this, you know, in-person online interview. So take it seriously. If you need someone to bounce around some ideas with, you can contact me. I do like to help people think about their home setup. If you're thinking about trying to work from home for the first time, I, I do offer a consultation where I will be happy to look. At, you can take your camera and walk me around the room. You can use your phone. I don't care. It's very informal. Walk me around your house and we can look for the best place to scout out um, where you could put a desk, um, what kind of desk you might want to put in that space, what you might want to do for lighting. If you need a, if you need help with this sort of thing for an interview, let me know. If you if you already have a job lined up and you need to get figured figured out, I'm happy to help you. Um, I enjoy that sort of thing. It's actually really fun for me. And if you are one of these people that are being affected right now by you know, a job change or a job loss during the pandemic, um, or like I've been experiencing with the recent changes um, in the ESL world, you know, solidarity, friend, I will, I will talk with you and listen to you and swap ideas and encourage you. And if you are in the middle of a job hunt and you need a little bit of help looking over your resume, contact me and let me know and we can um, give it a look over. Thank you. And if you are interested in having someone look over your resume. I am doing a lot of research currently and think that'll be something that I'll be offering very, very soon. But yeah, you can contact me. You get the sneak peek, I guess, at that um, new service I'll be offering. So.